Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Trumbull, the horror movie podcast. Happy New Year. Same shit as last year, but it's a new year. (laughs) (laughs) New calendar year. Um, With me, as always, is Stephen Taylor. Happy New Year to you both. How were your holidays? Did you have some fun? Uh, You know, contained. I mean, that's what what the name of the game is this year. Yeah. and I, I mean, uh, like, I'm not, like, I can be a social person, but I'm not by nature. Mm. So, uh, I, I mean, it's easy for me to just hang out and do nothing. Uh, you know, but, you know, our in-laws are part of our bubble type thing because we drop our our daughter off every day before school. Uh, so we still kind of saw the in-laws and everything. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was quiet, but I, I was I was kind of I was okay with it. Mm-hmm. I got to use Skype for the first time in like ten years <laughs> to to Skype with family on Christmas. We had yes. uh, mimosas that instantly gave us hangovers, but other than that, it was it was kind of fun. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I know. Um, I was like a little like trepidous about like this whole like Zoom Christmas thing. And then on the day of, it was like two 30-minute Zoom calls. And I'm like, that's it? I'm free? I will say that I, I watched I had uh, I watched Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas Day. Mm. And yeah, I did not like it. <laughs> yeah, no, you, 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 were, you were not a fan. No. Oh, boy. What a... What a step down and just like massive, just massively problematic across the board. I felt this movie was, and it was like, I'm really gonna identify with with a movie that Jason Fuchs wrote, which was the first movie, and not the one that Patty Jenkins wrote with Jeff Johns, the second movie. Like, I'm still baffled by that whole thing. Yeah, I liked the movie for what's worth, but I did think it was like very much. It was. It's a different movie for sure. Like it, it totally felt as if you were watching a different movie entirely, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it almost felt a little too similar to a Richard Donner Superman movie. But yeah, whether, whether a movie but like, like the that goofy works, one. <laughs> yeah, like whether a movie like that works in twenty twenty slash twenty twenty one. Yeah, it's a little questionable. Although um, our audience might want to check out Promising Young Woman, which uh, yes. We'll be hitting yes. VOD very soon. I think like with Friday next, for everybody. Yeah. Uh, the 15th. Yeah. Friday the 15th. Yeah. So definitely check that movie out. I will not say anything plot specific because I think once you get past like the first 20, 30 minutes of that movie, it's spoilers from there on out. But uh, fantastic movie. Probably my, one of my favorites, if not my favorite of last year. Um yeah, Carrie Mulligan puts in a really good performance in that movie, and uh, 
it, it, it's it's horror in the way that the Me Too movement is horror, I mm-hmm. suppose. So, anyways. so uh, would you say that's your number one of of twenty twenty? Like, because you just kind of said one of, but it would yeah. Which would, what did you solidify as your number one? I actually had Tenant as my number one for the longest time, but I think I prefer it over Tenant. Okay, I picked Sound of Metal as my number one of twenty twenty. That movie is really good. Um, amazing. <laughs> yeah. I also very much like Babysitter Killer Queen, despite that movie getting like totally shot on by everybody. But uh... Oh, I haven't watched that yet because I'm too scared to... I, I'm too scared that I'm not going to like it, I guess, because I like the first yeah. one so much. <laughs> so, well, there has been such a 50-50 kind of siding on that movie. Like, It's not trending on the best side, but I'm with Kurt. I really liked it, too. Okay. I enjoyed the hell out of it. It... it, it it goes in a, in, a, in a different direction for sure. And and some of the, like, I mean, some of the ideas, and me and Kurt have talked about this before, are, are questionable yeah. in it, uh, especially the main uh, the main bad guy's kind of motivation. You're just kind of like, what? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I have to say that Brian Duffield had a fucking strong year because, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he writes the sequel to his great first film that McGee I mean, they they work really well together. And then he makes his directorial debut with Spontaneous, which is a phenomenal fucking movie. Like, such a surprise, and and one with with such, like, a... kind of, like, a deep heart to it that I really, really loved. And then, um, just this week, I watched uh, Love and Monsters. Oh, yeah. um, With Dylan O'Brien, and that movie is just fun. I mean, it's not amazing. It's not gonna, like, blow anything wide open, but it's a fun creature feature uh that also has like this this heartfelt resonance to it as well and it seems to be brian duffield's strong suit so yeah i'm i'm really loving everything that he puts out at this point yeah definitely a lot of good uh movies that came out last year despite everything that happened i think i'm surprised at how how many good movies we ended up with at the end of the year i thought it's gonna get to the end of the year. There's gonna be, be maybe be like three movies I liked, but uh, yeah, no, it ended up being quite good. I will. Also and then uh, go to Pixar back- coming on through. Pixar coming through with a gut punch at the end of the year too. It was like, good lord. Oh, see, I wasn't the biggest fan of Soul. I didn't uh, think it was as good as Inside Out, although I did, uh, did think it was I, I, I like it more than Inside Out. Inside Out I liked, mm-hmm. but it didn't hit me in uh, in, in an like it didn't hit me with something I could take home. Like, I didn't really feel, like, anything beyond the credits. Soul was something I felt like that. I felt like it's a movie about finding purpose and everything. And, and maybe your purpose isn't exactly the thing that you've been fixated on. For You know what I mean? Like, I, I thought yeah. that was pretty interesting. But, yeah, it looks like when it comes to WWE 1984 and Soul that we're kind of an opposite uh, sides here. Yeah. Although, both, I would say, were probably worth watching. Although... Admittedly, I rewatched Uncle Peckerhead a few times over the holiday. <laughs> Underrated. Love I love Underrated. that movie. If you haven't seen Uncle Peckerhead, it's a horror movie. Uh, a punk <laughs> band brings a, a basically like a, like a random person off the street as their uh, roadie, uh, but every night at midnight, uh, the guy turns into a cannibal creature that kills people. So they yeah. have to deal with this but also like during the day he's like the sweetest old man and everyone loves him um <laughs> i won't say any more than that but yeah just go watch uncle parkhead it's like a really low-key movie i don't think too many people know about it but uh 
I've rewatched that movie quite a few times, and every time I watch it, I am both laughing, but also like, what the fuck did I just watch? So <laughs> that sounds like a great movie. Yeah, and it's just a great, great time to keep saying the name Uncle Peckerhead. <laughs> yeah, and also like uh, the actor who plays Uncle Peckerhead, he follows me on Instagram and Twitter, and he's always like DMing me about what my stories. He's like, oh, I thought that was funny too. I'm like, oh, this guy's awesome. So that's <laughs> so cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have a question about what we watched, so I'll save some more answers for that question. But also too, we're talking about color out of space. Yes. Uh I feel like I've been champion I was championing this movie uh multiple times in the podcast all last year. I think I I feel like I brought it up a shitload. Yeah. So I, yay, it's validation now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this movie uh definitely is uh a movie that I think it, it takes its time to build up to the horror. It doesn't just do it right away, but when it gets there, it's like Jesus Christ! Like, like but it's insane it's, person. <laughs> it seeds it seeds the path though with with like erraticness all leading up to it. Yeah, like and that's what I think is the most interesting about this one. Like, even like like everyone's got everyone's quir- like a quirky weirdo leading up to it. Yeah. And everyone's kind of got, like, their own subtle thing that they do that, like, separately, they just think it's their own thing. But if mm-hmm. they were to come together and be like, oh, this is happening to me, and this is happening to you, and this is happening to you, then it I feel like they could have pieced it together a little sooner. Yeah. But, yeah. like, all of those little things, they're little things that can kind of be, like, brushed away. Like, the, the kid standing in front of a well is... And, like, staring and talking to his friends is weird, but he's also a kid. So, like, there's a part of you that goes, oh, maybe he could just be a weird kid, you know? And then you add everything up and you're like, oh, okay, no, there's some shit happening in that fucking well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, t- totally. Um, yeah, and I think it's a, a case where, yeah, you just kind of, like, maybe excuse some of the weirdness. And you're like, nah, I can't. Yeah, you're right. Like, I can't be... Just like it gets good being a kid, maybe just slightly off, but uh, no, uh, things get to go from weird to uh, what the fuck did I just watch? Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I do really enjoy this movie. This movie kind of really took me by surprise when I watched it because I had no idea uh, mm-hmm. what it was getting into. Um, yeah, uh, why we chose it, I think. St- I can't remember. Did I, did I think did Steve choose this movie? I think you might have. I would have to. I would. Have <laughs> I feel to. like I'm... this is a Steve pick. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I think I know why because you you've talked about this movie plenty of times. Yeah. So this is one. Of, this is one of my favorite. This will go down as one of my favorite horrors of all time. Um. Uh. And yeah, it's SpectreVision, right? Like mm. it just it, the, this company seems to always. Uh know exactly what the niche horror fan wants mm. uh they, they've got like an incredible direction i mean I, like just off the top of my head i could say come to daddy mandy and color of color out of space are like three of the greatest horror films in the last 10 years mm. like easily yeah. it, like it, I, I don't even feel like it's hyperbole uh but the the big deal with this one uh a it's lovecraft uh, being adapted, which is just like, again, like a like a just like a, a slow slow descent into 
helpless hell. You know what I mean? Like, like no matter what you do, you're you're going to ease into suffering and you're going to die. Like that's just the way it goes in yeah. his stories. Uh, secondarily, it's Richard Stanley, who uh, hasn't made a feature narrative film since he was fired from Island of Doctor Moreau in the mid '90s. So this is a big fucking deal. Like, I cannot stress that enough because Richard Stanley is one of the greatest directors that we never really got to see uh, because, I mean, hardware is this this dusty, power punk, anti-establishment version of The Terminator that is just, like, in a phenomenal film. Uh, Dust Devil is, like, this, this desolate, like, voodoo movie that it's just insidiously creepy. Uh, and I mean, whatever his Island of Dr. Moreau would have been and now color out of space, which, uh, it's, I, I, even if you hate this movie, you're going to think about this movie. You really are. I just, there's just no way out of that. No, totally. There's, there are definitely some scenes that you probably hate this movie because of certain scenes Mm -hmm. in this film, because they're Mm -hmm. just like, it, it kind of goes from like, okay, nothing's super happening. Like the characters are being freaky and Nicolas Cage is acting out and getting aggressive but like it's not really until you see the the i don't know if i should call them monsters because they used to be people but you know like that one scene where it reveals i guess i can spoil it but the mom and the son together Mm -hmm. like yeah that i don't necessarily know if the first time i watched this i was prepared for that because it isn't just the visuals it's like they really spend time focusing on like almost the screams of the mom and the son, like it's pretty disturbing. And it's, yeah. it's, it has that, I don't know, even though I, I don't know if, if anything gets quite that disturbing in the original short story, but it still feels very Lovecraftian. It's yeah. so, it's just messed up. Yeah. I, I really feel like there are certain elements in this one, that being one, a, a big one, the alpacas being, another side of it there's shit in this movie that you've never seen before there's stuff that you may like like equate it to like there is uh an evil dead quality to some stuff in this and and um not even borrowing ideas but a borrowing of a thread of an idea uh, and then evolving it on his own but yeah there's i mean and and even at the head of it, it all starts at the beauty of this cinematography, the 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 lighting of it, the colors. Oh my god, the, mm-hmm. that 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 purple purple's never been so sinister before. And honestly, never, never. It's never mm-hmm. been that that color where you're like, I am scared of that. But you'll be scared of purple in this movie. Magenta yeah. used to make me think of Blue's Clues, and now it just makes me think of aliens. <laughs> Funny. Um. Yeah, first time we watched this. Uh, do you guys recall the first time we uh, watched this? I watched a screener pre-release because uh, it didn't really get that grandiose theatrical release it was supposed to. I think uh, as far as like uh, Vancouver local, it just got a screening at the Rio. That was its Canadian premiere, I believe, mm. besides being screened at the After Dark uh, Toronto Film Festival uh the previous september but yeah this was yeah this would be the last year right january last year is when i got to see it okay yeah Uh, i think i think i watched it someone sent me a link to it it might have been one of you (laughs) but someone sent me a link and i was able to watch it like fairly soon after it 
came out, I think. Okay. Which usually doesn't happen to me. Usually I sit on things for way too long. But I don't know if I, I don't know if VVS is going to hear this or whatever, but yeah, I think I sent the link to both you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. VVS is like they they fall asleep way too easily. So <laughs> is it because they were watching the honest thief or yeah yeah the, the, oh you know what God. it is is there was like one person running that entire company so yeah it's claire she's great though i do like claire claire is great uh, but you can she's, tell she's very helpful you uh, can you get us back physical copies of blu-rays though claire if you are listening please yeah claire <laughs> where's my blu-rays I, yeah i want yeah, my blu-rays claire. back i want my direct video bruce willis movies Come on, Claire. Uh, get it together. <laughs> yeah. I want to get that movie with um, Russell Crowe as a... Uh, Unhinged, man. Yeah. That movie was low-key. I actually really do want that one. That movie I was I do have it on my list. Low-key amazing. It was really dumb. It's a, it's a 90s movie. It's yeah. a 90s movie or an 80s movie like The Hitcher that doesn't get made anymore. The idea that this guy just so happens to like be this like insane person it's like yeah. of course of course i he has monologues in that movie that don't deserve to be in that movie but are totally work i don't know like it's crazy <laughs> he yeah. has some he has some serious monologue parts in that movie and it feels like a movie that was written for uh coincidentally nicholas cage but russell crowe like grabbed it and he's like i'm gonna do a cage performance yeah. and he does no 100 percent <laughs> um but yeah color out of space the first time i watched it was at fantastic fest as is the case with a lot of these indie horror movies i think they end up Man. making the circuit there uh i know richard stanley was there uh um, that's unfortunate <laughs> unfortunate that you weren't there or, yeah both oh, both okay. that i was un- unfortunate that i uh, was not there and unfortunate that there was no richard stanley because i can only imagine what a q a with him afterwards would be oh no he's like an eccentric looking person no he was there oh he but, was yeah no, oh he was. that's amazing yeah. then yeah wearing the wearing the hat like the trench coat everything right like yeah so he looks funny, like a warlock funny story i don't <laughs> i didn't know what who what Richard Stanley looked like? I I know you know you can tell me look for Steven Spielberg in this audience. I'll spot him out or George mm-hmm. Lucas. I have no idea what Richard Stanley looks like. And uh, there was a press person that like, well, you know, if you want to ask him some questions, he'll be hanging around this bar. Just you know, approach him and you can ask him a couple questions or whatever. Just try to keep it brief. So I'm looking around. I'm like, what the fuck's Richard Stanley? And I see this guy wearing like a black hat and a trench coat <laughs> and like. <laughs> A, a button-up shirt with, like, one of those, um... It's like a tie, but it's got, like, the little, like, skull. Oh, bolo. Bolo, yeah. He's wearing a bolo. Yeah, he wears and bolos, he, yeah. And I'm like, that's not fucking Richard Stanley. That can't be. <laughs> this guy's a, a movie Google. director. He's probably, like, one of these Austin film critics that's just a little out there. And, uh, I totally missed out on my opportunity because I didn't realize oh. that was Richard Stanley. <laughs> oh, man. It, 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 just the the depths that 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 it could have gone to because like even if you look at his documentary career like he did a documentary on like uh the occult division of the nazi regime and stuff like that like he he does he's into some weird ass shit and like oh my god it'd be like you know sitting cross-legged in front of the sage (laughs) 
as he's fucking you know what i mean as he is he's like imparting all this wisdom like the there, there, there is something to Richard Stanley that goes beyond film. So, yeah, I don't know. He's he's like a really special filmmaker in my mind. He's like in that Werner Herzog category and, yeah. and other ones. He... Is there also an implication that most directors just don't have style? There, well, yeah, there are <laughs> there are a, a massive amount of uh, of just plain studio filmmakers out there. I mean, we if you watched. A couple of months ago, if you watch Hillbilly Elegy, you watched one of the biggest uh, cookie cutter filmmakers out there right now, Ron Howard, because I mean, and not to, there are there are great Ron Howard movies in his filmography, but man, there are so many that are just like. I'm just going to make this according to the script that I see and the easiest uh, you know storyboarding of it, and there you go, it's done. I mean, look at Solo. Solo looks so plain compared to even any, like, I mean, shit, you put, you watch Last Jedi and then you watch Solo and you have just a, you know, a massive clash of, of bland versus trying to do something different. And I know I'm going to get a lot of Last Jedi haters on my case about that one, but no, fucking suck it up, guys. It's a better movie. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Here I thought I was done thinking about Hillbilly Elegy. I got brought <laughs> back into my life. Fuck that movie. That was yeah, such absolutely. a terrible movie. It's a movie about an asshole. Yeah. I an asshole Netflix... that hates his own history. I don't think Netflix even like watched that movie before they bought it. They were just like, oh, this must be an Oscar bait movie. Yeah. This will do well. And then they watched it later. And they're like, why did we buy? <sighs> Anyways. J.D. Vance is an asshole. <laughs> yes. Um, I've got a couple emails here. One is from Marianne. Did you watch any interesting movies during the break? Um, I was rewatching the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. So, ooh, which, I actually know other people who did that. So I feel like that should be a Christmas tradition now, right? I mean, here's the thing too: Spider-Man Two, even Spider-Man One. A little bit of horror, a little bit of like horror, like a few scenes where it's like, huh, interesting. It's shot like a horror movie, and that's your Raimi influence there, mm-hmm. especially like in the first one where you have um, Green Goblin and stuff. It's actually really interesting. It's um, those movies can be made anymore, but uh, I, I was like, well, they got Toby coming back for Spider Man three. I want to rewatch these movies. Third one still sucks. I will die on that hill. It's not a good movie, but uh, it's not a good movie, and yet I love it so much. I I think I would be okay with it if um, the proto goblin that they have in that movie was like better designed than a dude on a skateboard. It's it terrible. <laughs> um, but uh, a movie that friend of the podcast scott wilson always talks about sorcerer i finally watched that hell yes that movie friedkin man that movie fucking rules what and why don't people talk about it you know what i mean yeah. like like fuck the mandalorian did an episode that ba- that directly references it oh uh, yeah well that's kind of where i was it came back on my radar i'm like oh it's mm-hmm. a movie that scott always talks about i should finally just yeah. watch this and it it's amazing um yeah. not a horror movie but just a fantastic movie all around um yeah. movie that had to be produced by two studios because it was too expensive for one 
Yeah, and and Friedkin is not somebody to waver and cut corners in his visions. I mean, you see that in the French Connection. Mm. Uh, he's, I'm gonna get my shots how I get my shots, and you, I just you're just gonna have to pay for it. Yeah, percent. <laughs> now the movie's about a group of people who all move to South America, not by choice, but because they have to due to various uh, things going on in their lives and they're all given a task to uh, sort of transport this like nitroglycerin that's unstable to um, a uh, oil fire and uh, because it's very volatile there's a lot that goes on it's actually an interesting movie because it just doesn't really seem to follow a lot of story conventions but it's also still really interesting so and can we also say that it's Roy fucking Scheider is in this movie. And Joe Spinell is in this movie. Yeah. Although, when he hooks up with the girl at the end there, I was like, really, this is where you're going to plant your... Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. She's intentionally not supposed to be attractive. But I was like, really? Couldn't find someone else at this bar. But, uh, yeah. Um... Watch anything interesting, Steve? I mean, aside from one hundred and eighty-four uh, years, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. I, I did have those on the list, um, and uh, but no, I, there was a couple that uh, I found interesting. Uh, the Wolf of Snow Hollow, Jim Cummings' new movie. Mm. Um, wow, what a great! I mean, this is also Robert Forrester's final performance, um, and it's by all i mean it's a werewolf movie by all appearances and uh so well done like darkly funny uh the editing in this one just just how they do reveal story reveals and everything is just so so phenomenal and uh yeah i i was really blown away by this movie because i haven't seen thunder road his other movie so mm. but i heard a lot of good things about it so i'm kind of going in reverse order but jim cummings um He's the man. I, I'm really looking forward to anything that he puts out. Um, I, I was kind of halfway with uh, Midnight Sky, uh, with the, oh. the, the Clooney one. I was really engaged with the Clooney storyline, but then they go into space for this other storyline, and I just totally took me out of it. But it's funny that Tom Hanks and George Clooney had the same idea of of taking charge of, of young girls mm. in their movies. Uh, that said, News of the World is really fucking good. Uh, Tom Hanks is really great in that one. Yeah. Um, did you guys see the Craft Legacy? I did not. I don't know. I am like a fangirl too of the first Craft because I am I, one of those basic bitches. Yeah. But like, I I can't watch the second one. It looks. It's. Ugh. Well, I'll, I'll say that it's not made for the fans of the original. It's made for like I feel like it's made for the preteen and teen generation of right now. And the movie, like for the first half of the movie, it works. Like it really does work. Mm. And then the third act, like just before the third act kicks in, it all just kind of goes to shit with all this tropey stuff, mm. unearned villain reveals, all this kind of stuff. And it's just like it just stops stops working. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's similar to what I was hearing, and I've yeah. just been kind of too dejected to check it out. And, like, the trailers, there's, there's like, a shot in the trailers where they show, like, a picture of someone from the original movie mm -hmm. that has absolutely nothing to do with the actual movie, as far as I have heard. Yeah. And the, the like, seeing that there there's, like, actual magic, like, CGI effect magic, 
Uh, I don't know. It's very obvious, I guess, that it is different from the first one, and it just annoys me that it's even tied to it in the first place, I guess. But I haven't seen it again, so I will eventually. I'm just... I'm just procrastinating because I know I probably won't like it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's yeah, it, it hit the middle of the road for me. I'll, I'll just end off with three other ones. Uh, Wild Mountain Time was probably the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, it's a, an Irish romantic comedy where nobody knew how to do an Irish accent. And it was just <laughs> awesome. Uh, just awful. I mean, Emily Blunt's in it, Christopher Walken, uh, Jamie Dornan, and John Hamm. And it's just terrible. Just like the worst. Um, Palm Springs is probably one of my favorite paradox movies ever made uh mm. andy sandberg uh just just owns this movie but uh, it's this actress that i hadn't seen before and then she pops up again in death to 2020 uh kristen miliotti I, I love this woman she's so great in this uh palm springs is the movie that you've probably never heard of that you need to see immediately uh and then uh the dissident which is a movie that all distributors are scared of it's a movie about um uh washington post journalist uh, jamal khashoggi who was killed by the crown prince of saudi arabia and this movie is fascinating it's eye-opening uh i feel like everybody needs to see this movie just to illustrate how big of uh of a danger uh, this leadership in in Saudi Arabia is, and some of the programs they're creating, like something called the Pegasus program, which is terrifying to even think of, especially if you own a cell phone. Nice. Oh no, I have like three in a drawer next to me. Yep, exactly. <laughs> terrifying, terrifying. <laughs> Let's just say that they've been mirror. They were mirroring Jeff Bezos's phone for a year. Oh, oh yeah, I've heard about that, about yeah. them hacking into his phone or something. It sounded yeah. like a conspiracy at first, and then everyone's it's like, real. no, 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 that happened. <laughs> it's real. It's real. It's the same guy that did that Netflix documentary, Icarus, oh, okay. about the Russian doping program, which was also incredible. It won an Academy Award. Uh, but, uh, yeah, people are scared of the dissident. They're scared. Mm. To, uh, YouTube, I think, is the only place VOD that you can get it right now. I highly recommend it because uh, I, I really feel like they're trying to make this movie disappear. Well, also on the documentary front, Sing Me a Song was also quite nice. I don't know if you Yeah, know that. I that one warmed my heart. That was just a, such a little sweet movie. It it is. It is and it's you know, we need especially with the year that we've had in 2020 and the isolation that we've had, we need to see more stories of connection. Yeah. And Sing Me a Song is 100% a movie about just connection honestly yeah it's about a buddhist monk who uh you know eventually kind of embraces technology and ends up uh talking to this woman and that's Mm -hmm. all i'll say but it's very good Mm -hmm. Uh, oh i didn't rewatch another round which i find really hilarious such a good movie mads mickelson's so good in that it's so tragic funny it's it's like it's introspective at times. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's messed up. It, 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 it's, yeah, it, I saw it at VIF and it totally, totally caught me off guard. And well, I knew I was going to like it because I love Mads and I love Thomas Vinterberg as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. But Vinterberg, he's a protege of Lars von Trier, so he always has like an element to his films that, um, that, go over that they cross that cross different lines into different genres and stuff but one another round is so 
straightforward, and I think that's where its strength is. Also, Spontaneous. Not enough people have watched that movie. <laughs> Go watch Spontaneous. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's got a terrible cover, but just get beyond that. It's got like one of the worst, most depressingly bleak. Like, like it's literally just like Charlie Plummer and Catherine Langford just kind of photoshopped against a bloody background like in that quirky like side style like they're leaning in like hey isn't this wacky and it's like oh that's you could have had a way better cover look at the love and monsters cover had have something like that you know yeah no spontaneous is such a great movie and you don't hear too Mm. many people talking about it so no go check it out it's in my top 20 of last year oh same here I don't know if I watched any good movies during the break. I watched a lot of good TV. I watched a lot mm-hmm. of Attack on Titan. I watched a lot of Taskmaster and like other British panel shows. The movies that I watched, like I don't even know if I want to say because they were all just bad. Most of them, most of them were Hallmark movies. Oh God! I know. I'm sorry. They're just so good to turn your brain off to, and they all have the exact same plot. So it's just like okay, throw in another Hallmark movie. Um, and there's like the the total sales of like your Hallmark movie blanket that you put on while you watch these movies. Like they, they've got this weird little niche in that market. It's really strange. And they're all, I mean, 50% of the time you're turning them off because you're like, okay, this is just, I can't, I can't put up with it. But sometimes when you want background noise and you know that you don't need to be invested in a plot, it's kind of nice. That's my justification. That's my justification. <laughs> because I don't have any other... I don't have anything else. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know if I necessarily watched a lot of, like, Christmas movies during the break. Like, I I, it, I felt a little checked out and maybe not necessarily 100% mm. in the Christmas mood. No, I, I totally I get that. I think, like, the main Christmas movie I watched this year was the Trailer Park Boys Christmas special. <laughs> and that's required viewing for every Christmas. I didn't even watch Elf. That's like my family's oh. Christmas movie, you know? Oh, jeez. I know. What a year. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I, might as well, I, I just watched it last night, so I don't know if it consider, can, is considered a holiday viewing, but I just watched Beyond Skyline yesterday because Skylines is coming out on mm. Blu-ray this week. And I wanted to catch up. I saw Skyline in theaters, but I had totally spaced on the Frank Grillo one from uh, like three years ago, uh, which is, uh, I, bl- I think uh, Everly director Joe Lynch coined it as sci-fu instead of sci-fi because it's got the two guys from The Raid in it, Eco oh. uh, Uwais and uh, I forget the other guy's name. Mm. It was not terrible. It takes a long time to figure out what kind of a movie it is. Yeah. But it's not terrible, honestly. I thought it was going to be just shit. I found it on Netflix, and I thought, like, well, at least I don't have to rent it. I can just watch it and then yeah, watch my Skyline one. <laughs> you know? The thing about Netflix is I always feel like it's a very, like, low-impact thing. Like, if I don't like this movie, I can just turn it off. Go live yeah. live. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, let's see here. Garrett says, every time the mom cuts her fingers gets me every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I I had to make a note when that happened because even when they were like Nick Nicholas Cage was like taking her to the car, she seemed so calm. Yeah. And like I I get that that's probably supposed to like 
maybe that's supposed to be a thing that's unnerving because she's not freaking out that she just cut the tips of her fingers off. She's just like, oh no, oh no, oops, sorry. And then they go to the car and leave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scott says, how does this ring for you in the Nicolas Cage pantheon of, of insane performances? Uh, I don't know. I don't think this is that insane of a Nicolas Cage movie. Like, uh, well, I mean, because you, you like when you think about it, you have like so many, um, you know, you got Vampire's Kiss, you've got uh, Raising Arizona, you've got Wild at Heart, um, shit, Mandy. I, I mean, there are so many, like there, there are so many levels of insanity. I Wicker, Par- Wicker Man. Uh, there's, there's so many levels of insanity to to the illustrious Nick Cage, um. This probably might be in the tw- top twenty. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, I don't think anything be- can ever beat Face Off for me. <laughs> Some of it's just something else entirely. But <laughs> although Mandy, which came out like a year before this, I would say is more of an insane Nick Cage performance than this. Mm-hmm. I I'm just remembering there's like a scene in Mandy where he just screamed for yeah. a lot of for like a, yeah for like a full, almost a full scene which I, is I like... want to say that's a little more insane than than like he definitely yells at people in color out of space but I'm not yeah. sure if it's quite as insane as that let's be yeah. fair about that scene in Mandy that is in his legendary academy award reel because mm-hmm. that scene is fucking insane oh, it's yeah. so he's he you know what the you say people love to shit on Nicolas Cage but most of the time he is giving every single piece of himself and his soul and everything and then you look at other quote unquote legends and stuff that phone in performances all the time and you're like you got to give it to Nick yeah he's even in history of swearing he's given it well, mm-hmm. I would also recommend on YouTube you can find this. Is like GQ does uh, videos where like actors go through their best performances or favorite performances. And it's actually interesting to hear him dissect sort of his process for the performances he gives. And you see that there's a lot of in- intelligence behind what he does. And it it isn't an accident what he does. He knows what he's doing. Um, but it was actually really interesting to listen to that and watch that and go like, you know what you're doing. Like, I think some people think the guy is just insane because he is, but what he's doing is a performance and he's really good at that. Almost too good to the point where you're like, I don't think anyone's really doing it. Like he does it. So, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. You look at the screaming scene and you're like, Ooh, maybe Nick Cage has some demons he needs to yell out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Almost literally in Ghost Rider. Um, Spirit of Vengeance. I'll go up to bat for that movie. That movie is not as terrible as some people think. Um, do you have a favorite line from this movie? I think all of mine that I wrote down were Nick Cage lines. Like, even just little things. Like, I wrote down, everybody loves ducks. That was a good line. <laughs> um, when he's talking to his son. 
uh, when he's yelling at his daughter and he says, do me a favor and get the fuck out of my sight. No, wait, I'll do you a favor and get the fuck out of yours. Yeah. That was really good, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love how the he gets with his kids, like, so quickly. It's fucking yeah. great. Yeah. And it's, it's so like, great. it's, that's another thing that you're like, oh, like, that's another thing that makes you feel like something is really wrong. Because yeah. you know that this family loves each other, and yet he is just laying into them. Um, when he when he pushes uh, his daughter into the room with the mom, and he goes, if there's one thing that families do, they stay together. Now feed your mother. And then he locks the door. Like, all of those lines were so good. Yeah. I like... Uh the line of they're, they're talking about the cat and he's like what's her name g-spot what what come on like that's the coolest name ever ever a pussy named g-spot it's totally hilarious yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was mine i later on too when uh i can't remember he's talking to the hydro hyd- oh my god i feel dumb i'm totally hydraulist hydro whatever um he's talking to ward the character named the Ward. water guy yeah the water guy uh and he says ward turns to him and goes because the cat goes missing and he says oh i'll let you know if i see g-spot uh and ezra the character who lives in the forest goes well you might see her but you won't recognize her that yeah was yeah tommy chong is so great in this movie yeah yeah i'm a little sad we don't see more of him to be honest yeah. It, it kind of feels last... like his character sets up some foreshadowing, and then I thought when I first watched this movie, I thought he was gonna like come back and help save the day, um, but it didn't. That didn't work out for him. No, there's no saving the day in, Le- in Lovecraft. No, nope. <laughs> it's just more descent into madness. Yeah, and 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 sorrow and despair. That's yep. like and yeah, I think that's that's what's the most unsettling one thing about this movie is just the despair of it all yeah Yeah. well and it feels very lovecraftian too like i feel like they really they they nailed that feeling yeah yeah 100 percent um best performance in this movie nick i mean yeah you can't you other people were great but can you really compare some of the scenes right He's the glue that holds everything together. He's the he's the ramping intensity at a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I mean, I really like uh, Madeline. Uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Madeline Arthur in this one, the daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, I think mm-hmm. she's. I mean, the the cutting scenes. They're like, holy crap! <laughs> like, oh, yeah, just yeah. just. I mean, there's, there's there's a lot going on. I would say those two are are kind of the tops. Uh, but I have to bring up what Taylor said about uh, about uh, Julie Richards, Julie Richardson's character just kind of checking out. It is such a it is such a, a an interesting baseline, uh, mm. and of course her melting into her own child is just even more disturbing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, becoming one with Jack is just ugh. This is so fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Um, like this this movie is going to it's going to st- like. There's just so much of it that sticks with you, but it all starts with Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it makes it so much more disturbing, like especially with the mom and the son merged together, because a lot of horror horrific things happen, and then the characters like they just kind of move on, like they don't mm-hmm. nobody processes it. Whereas there is a scene of them all being in the attic, and like the the eldest son is so disturbed, and he is not processing it very well. And you're yeah. kind of along there with him being like, what the 
what would you do if this was happening in real life? I feel like you would just shut down. Like the fact that all of these people still manage to, like, especially the daughter having a little bit of logical thought that late mm-hmm. into the movie is insane to me. Yeah. I'll also say to Brendan Meyer, who played Benny, like was low key pretty good. Um, I mean, yeah, Nick Cage, he, he does a, I mean, he's Nick Cage. He's a known element, but I liked Brendan Meyer, who also was in The Guest, and he was really good in that, too. So, I was, on rewatching it, I was really honing in on his performance, and I'm like, man, this is actually quite good. Um, I don't know if I noticed it as much before, because, let's be honest, anytime you're in a movie with Nick Cage, you're in a movie with Nick Cage, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, watching it again, I was like, man, Brendan Meyer is actually pretty good. Um, so definitely, definitely a performance that I, I picked up on a little bit more on the rewatch. So, um, let's see. Best kill. There's some good ones. Um, would we count the mom and son getting fused together? Is that the point that the kill happened? Or did it officially happen when they were shot, do you think? Because just getting shot in and of itself isn't necessarily like a, the best way or like the most extravagant kill. But the uh, fact that they were fused together during that, that makes it one of my favorites in the movie, at least. Yeah, because I do... I was like, going to say that was my favorite kill, but I... Like you, I'm uh, having a hard time figuring out, like, when is the actual kill. I guess you could say when they get shot, but really at that point, they're not really who they used to be anyways, so... Yeah, and I think Nick Cage even has a line that says, they're not my family anymore or something, and that makes me think that maybe they were taken over or something, but I... uh... I mean, I guess that's why this movie is also so good, is there's kind of little questions like that that you can explore afterwards. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, either way, the like when you see them together and when they get shot, like that's just gruesome. So mm-hmm. I'll go with that. Um, a lot of the deaths in this do feel like they they aren't the prominent part of this movie. It's more like a punctuation mm-hmm. in the movie itself. Um, but I, I do really like uh, the little little combination they got going there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, some of the some of the kills were definitely just like the character disappears into the color, which That's... definitely is ominous. But like, especially for yeah. um, Benny, the oldest son, I think his death it was a little bit like, oh, I kind of wanted to see a little bit more. A little anticlimactic, yeah. That's the thing with this movie. I was trying to think of what other kills there are that are like big bombastic kills, and there's not too many. It's more like person goes into the purple and you don't see them ever again mm-hmm. what about you steve you have anything kills wise uh I, it would have yeah it would have to be i mean putting Teresa and and jack out of their misery mm-hmm. it's always so rough yeah i i just i mean because a lot of i, I can't think of any other like kill that has as much story resonance as that one does. Mm-hmm. And just because it is, it's the finality to such a disturbing part of the storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I think it's just rougher when you know that it's the two of them together mm-hmm. and it's not just one. So yeah. it's sort of like that double tragedy. Um, yeah. And the, the unification of those just that, I, ugh, I don't know. Even thinking about it, it's fucking disturbing. Yeah. It's actually kind of an interesting parallel between this movie and the next movie that we're going to talk about is the a fatherly figure having to turn a gun on people that he loves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Dumb is that a spoiler for the next movie? Should I? Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, well, well I, the other movie we're talking about is like almost pushing 25-ish years old, 20 years okay. old. It's probably five. The statue of limitations is gone at that point. Um, dumbest decision in this movie. I think it's Feed probably... me alpacas. Yeah. I mean, maybe getting the alpacas too. <laughs> hey, he he had grandiose thoughts of being an alpaca farmer. Like That's it was... true. That's such a dad thing to do too. Is like, oh yeah, this is gonna be great, family. We're gonna do this. We're gonna raise alpacas. <laughs> yeah. Shit, I would probably say like, like the the family's not doing too well, and uh, they're just kind of like rolling with it for quite a while, and it's like rationally at that point you'd be like, cool, I'm just gonna go get some bread, yeah, bread, and it's like <laughs> peace out. Yeah, yeah so. I it's hard to think of dumb decisions other than things like that because they're being manipulated a lot of the times yeah so a lot of the times what i want to just shake them by the shoulders and be like are you listening to yourself like they they can't they it's like there's just a reality disconnect yeah 100 percent uh i think it's any other dumb decisions or i can't think really think of too many else Maybe doing well, the interview with the reporter at the beginning, although that was one of the funniest parts of this movie mm-hmm. is I think they did they put something underneath his name after he said the the comment about bourbon about him being a bourbon connoisseur on yeah. like that. Oh, that was yeah. so funny. Oh, it, yeah. It, the thing about the dumb decisions is in, is like. I, and I think this this pertains to a lot of Lovecraft is like. It's about desperate people at a certain point. Like once this stuff starts, like, like getting real thick, that's where the decision making kind of goes out the window. So it's almost like you can't even mm-hmm. fault people once they're they're scrabbling by their fingernails to try to stop from falling into the abyss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like like being sucked into a black hole. Yeah. A so part, there's yeah. no escape. So maybe, yeah, you are going to grab your child's leg to try to not to, to, you know, careen into the darkness, right? But mm-hmm. could it be called a dumb decision or just a snap decision, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, right, I think it's time to rate this. Um, oh, baby. Let's see. I'm a 9 out of 10, man. I fucking love this movie. Actually, what did I even give it on Letterboxd? I think I gave it a five. I might have to go to perfect just to keep it consistent. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to break brand now. Come on. No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna <laughs> break away from brand. Uh no. Yeah. Nicholas Cage would be so upset with me if I did. I'm I was curious to go back and visit my letterbox score to see if it's the same. And I gave it a nine out of ten, and I would say that's still the same. I think there's like 
maybe the mildest of pacing issues in this movie where it does kind of feel like it's maybe teetering a little bit in terms of being a little too long but i mean except for that it's still a really good movie and mm-hmm. we haven't talked too much about tommy chong in this movie but whatever every time i see him in this movie i'm like fucking great he's so good yeah i like he's so good i kind of want to be him a little bit when i grow up he's like made his own house and like mm-hmm. fully like that dude has to be smart to actually build that stuff on like set aside all the maybe crazy stuff he talks about that happened to be true anyway so maybe he's just a smart guy <laughs> yeah he secretly yeah. knows what's up so cool yeah yeah uh, I, I feel like i'm also gonna go with a nine i kind of agree with kurt a little bit that there were it did kind of feel a little long but it, it's almost like while i was watching that it didn't necessarily feel like that it just kind of no. got to the end and i was like ah, oh, like it it wasn't there were some parts that almost seem to be like mm-hmm. but i can't explain it other than that so i don't have a good reason for it um so am i the, am i the only one curious that if there's a director's cut if there's a a, a a vision that uh richard stanley had of extra stuff to this movie oh no i would definitely be interested in that i still love all the extra weird shit yeah, <laughs> I, I am too. Although I wonder if he had a lot of creative control in this in a way that I think he did. I, I honestly think he did because I feel like Spectre Vision has more of a faith in their filmmakers. Um, yeah. I do know uh, from uh, a friend of mine that uh, Kareem, uh, Kareem Hussein was supposed to shoot this movie, and then uh, Kareem. Uh, Kareem uh, re- recently did uh, Random Acts of Violence and Possessor. Mm. He was originally supposed to shoot this one. Instead, they shot it with Steve Annis, who did um, I Am Mother on uh, on on Netflix. Okay. Um, but yeah, I those are the only things that like like what would what would Kareem have brought to this movie had it been shot differently? Yeah. Uh... I I mostly I think this movie works pretty well as is. I think yeah, it's just a little too long, but um it also doesn't it's not like terribly noticeable. Like there are mm-hmm. some movies that where it's like, "Oh my gosh." Like I'm thinking of Wonder Woman 84 where like <laughs> the second act just drags on. Oh. Ugh, well, we have to create we have to create a villain by having her take out her rapist which obviously makes that her a bad guy yeah yeah (laughs) come on now yeah you know uh hey we got the batman to look forward to at least so yeah Yeah, i'm excited about that one yeah just watching that one that will will have a a lot of terrible decisions too so (laughs) no that's the, the robert pattinson batman that you're talking about yes yeah yeah, that one that one hopefully will not disappoint. So they had a Nirvana cover in their trailer. How could it be bad? That's great. <laughs> cool. Uh Steve, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah. I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Steeple Dead. Uh um and on Letterboxd, uh, I believe under the Steeple Dead as well. Uh and then I am on uh, C- uh Sorry, I am nationwide on The Shift with Shane Hewitt. 
Thursdays at 11 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, it's been great to get back to that in the new year. Uh, and then I, I do like a once a month spot uh, at 6.30 Ched in Edmonton. And yeah, I'm going to be starting to release uh, some of my own projects coming in this year. Just getting them all together right now. Nice. Oh, and my website says stevestebbing.ca. There you go. Um, all right, Taylor, where can people find more of your work online? Um, mostly on uh, my blog, blog. Uh, sometimes I'm on social media, but not a lot. I don't really have a lot else going on right now because uh, I had to go back to my regular job, so I don't really feel like doing anything else right now. So we'll see. <laughs> Fair. We'll see. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah, I'm over at threeingreenerds.com. Also, you may hear me on the CBC Early Edition. So, yay, that was fun. Uh, also, I'm on Twitter, Film Critic Kurt, and on Letterbox Fatal Koala, where you can catch all my scores of the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. If you're really wanting to know exactly, <laughs> if they don't have, if they don't all have five stars, Kurt, I'm gonna be disappointed. Wait, have you seen the third movie? <laughs> yes, five stars. <laughs> oh boy, we're gonna go another hour with this episode. It's- it's, it's five stars because they put Venom in and he's the greatest Spider-Man villain of all time, obviously. <laughs> right. It's five stars because of all of the memes. That's why it's five stars. That is true, actually. Spider-Man 3 is the most memed of all the Spider-Man movies. <laughs> so, cool. Uh, yeah, well, until next time where we're going to talk about The Mist. Bye for now.